Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, happy Saturday, and welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. It was kind of a quiet week around Chiefs Kingdom. We really only had a couple of shows this week. It is the off season, so got a lot of guys taking some time off, trying to relax and get ready for the upcoming NFL season. So on today's show, we're going to start things off with the Arrowhead Pride Editors show. Pete Sweeney and John Dixon discuss the top five things they were going to pay attention to at this week's Chiefs OTAs. After that, we're going to take a quick time out. Then when we get back, we will hear from our friends on the Great British Chiefs show as they discuss some of the biggest obstacles the Chiefs are going to face in the 2022 season that could keep them from getting back to a Super Bowl. I do want to remind you guys that as OTAs continue to happen in Kansas City, we will have those press conferences up on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, so if you're not caught up there, please check out From the Podium. We heard from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Justin Reid this week. But you're here for best of, so let's kick it off with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we are wrapping up with the five things that I'm watching heading into Kansas City Chiefs OTAs and the media look that comes with Thursday and the next three Thursdays. We'll finish, of course, with the AP Twitter poll to see what you guys thought about the question that I asked this morning. But let's start here, John. I will count these down for you. I'm excited to go see these guys because I, I got to go to rookie camp and rookie camp is fun for about 15 minutes. And then you say to yourself, well, 70 of these players I'm never going to see again. So I would rather <laughs> go to the 90-man veteran included inclusive camp. But uh, that happens finally tomorrow. So I'm excited about it. And here we go. As it turns out, my number five thing that I will be watching for is on offense. Is Rojo getting mixed in first in drills? I know that it is months and months and months and months and months away. But who goes first in these drills matter? I'll I'll tell you, and I'll give you a a very obvious example. Chad Henney ain't going to be taking the first quarterback snaps, right? So it means something. And so I just wonder how they mix in their running backs now that you'll have uh, veterans in camp and you have uh, second- and third-year players and a Derek Gore and even a rookie in Isaiah Pacheco. I'm just wondering how they rotate running backs. I think that's a that's an excellent thing to be watching for just because we've been discussing it. <laughs> yes. You know, we just spent quite a bit of time discussing the possibility that Rojo could be the guy. I think that's an excellent an excellent point. All right, so that is number 5. Let's move on to number 4. And we mentioned this one earlier today too. So it's working out here where we're paying off our thesis. Darren Kennard and where he's lined up. Is this a situation where Andy Reid is so confident in the fifth round rookie that he begins giving him offensive line snaps 
immediately at right tackle with the first team? I tend to think no, not for OTAs. I think that might be something that you see at mandatory camp and even more likely at training camp. Andrew Wiley would be the right tackle in the mix there. But it's important because if, let's say tomorrow, we get to the media look and Kennard is on the first team at right tackle, or at least as we sort of alluded to with the running backs, mixing in, that's a big-time statement that the Chiefs not only, I think, see him as a potential right tackle, but want him to win the position, which is a big part of this. I think that's a good point, too, but I would I would caution that that will largely depend on Niang's situation, right? If yeah. he's available, what do they do then? If he's not available, then yeah. your choices are Kennard and Wiley. I, d- and, I do not anticipate Niang on the field tomorrow, but right, you never know. Right. Right. Well, that's part of why we go. And if he's dressed, if he's out there and Kennard is getting those snaps and maybe getting mixed in, that tells us a lot more than it would if he's not available. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, sure. I, I, I tend to think it's still going to be a Kennard and Wiley thing. And what I expect to see is Wiley with the top team because Andy Reid tends to favor veterans, at least at the beginning. And they like Wiley. They like Wiley a lot. They like Wiley a lot or at at the very least mixing in. So remains to be seen. All right. That's number four. All right. Here we go. Number three, Trent McDuffie and how he's lining up. Are the Chiefs still pushing LeJarrius Sneed inside in the nickel and dime sets or are they mixing McDuffie and Sneed or is it just McDuffie and Sneed locks into one of those positions that, you know, we saw Charvarius Ward do before he became a San Francisco 49er. Uh, McDuffie is a player that is expected to start week one. We have noted that we did see him shifting in during this rookie camp. Sneed was not there. So, you know, it is absolutely necessary to say that now that Sneed will be there. Is this something that he will, he will be doing alone? Will he be taking his turns at it? Uh, as the Chiefs start to figure this thing out, I think it'll be really pertinent to watch uh, where McDuffie is, is lining up. Excellent point again. I personally think that McDuffie is going to be the outside guy. Yeah. I think they want, I think they like Sneed on the inside. They want Sneed to get some snaps on the outside, which is right. why they had him it listed as the starter, and then he moves inside for for most of the sub package looks, which amount to, you know, what is it, 80% of the different defensive scheme. But I think they like Snead on the inside. Now yeah. they're probably going to want to see what McDuffie can do on the inside just to check off that box and to know what will happen if Snead gets hurt, for example, et cetera. Right. But I think they I think Snead is the guy they want on the inside. I think what we're going to see is McDuffie on the outside. Very quickly, too, like a, a good part point of this is yes, I mean, the Chiefs took him with the twenty first overall pick and expect him to start day one, but he's still a rookie, right? And right. it's easier for him to work the outside and learn on the fly maybe that slot position as the year goes on than just putting him in this really changing dynamic position where he where he has to play multiple roles for the Chiefs. I also think like a subplot of this, and this is not I'm not I'm not ticking to the next one. A subplot of this is okay, so I think all of us can agree. McDuffie and Sneed are two cornerback starters. Who's the other guy? Right now, I'd say Rashad Fenton, right? He had a really nice, quiet breakout year last year, but he may be pushed for that position. Is it DeAndre Baker? Is it Joshua Williams, the fourth rounder? Is it Lonnie Johnson, who the Chiefs traded for and and brought in? 
Is it uh, a Jalen Watson who the Chiefs took late? Uh, I, I just wonder if you start to see something brewing there. I know that, uh, as the Chiefs will always say at the, these press conferences, they really embrace the competition. But I think that's a subplot of the cornerback room. But I think it's I think it's Fenton's job to lose right now. I'd agree with that. I think he I think he really impressed the Chiefs last year. I think he's it's his job to lose. I think that's exactly right. And I think there's a couple of uh, players from last season that we're not even talking about. You know, your DiCaprio Boodles and and so on and so forth. They're, you know, they're, we're not Luke, even talking about those guys. What about Luke Barku? All right, name. exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, they got a lot of options there to, to, to hold up the back end of that position group. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Let's see the return of Devin Key in the safety room. The there safety you go. Room. Exactly. Right, number two. I mean, we haven't talked about the king, right? Patrick Mahomes throwing to new receivers. Juju Smith, Schuster, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore for the first time in person. Uh, if, if if you're thinking about the biggest Chiefs storyline this year, it's how are they going to replace Tyreek Hill? That's it. Right. I mean, it's the biggest Chiefs storyline. And, and number two for me plays into that. How does he look? What is his timing? Does it look, does the offense look like something that can be replaced by Juju and MBS? How fast is MBS? I've never watched him run in person. Uh, Sky Moore, how quickly does he come along? Uh, and does he look like a day one contributor? Because you know, we can almost know that uh, about a Trent McDuffie, but I think we have to see it in Sky Moore. And so I think we start that process on Thursday. I think that's a good point. And that's going to be the part that you're going to be able to get the most information about, in mm-hmm. fact. In a in drills like you're going to be seeing tomorrow because right. more uh, they don't do it they don't run a lot of running plays uh, right. in those drills it's mostly passes right and so that'll be one of the things that you'll be able to get the most information about in this very first uh, look at the team I think hopefully we wait until the preseason until we see any violence from Leo Chanel I know he loves violence <laughs> <laughs> maybe wait a few yeah. months right okay right and number one. And I, I gave this the slight edge over the last one. It could have been the last one. I told you why about the Tyreek Hill thing, but I'm just excited. I really like the way George Karloftis looked in this rookie camp. Just a man amongst the boys, as they say. Uh, I want to see him against the regular Chiefs offensive line and you know to see if he's doing to um, the regular offensive line uh, what he was doing to the rookies. And a part of that, too, will be is Orlando Brown – there um i'm hoping that i get to see this but you know i I tend to think maybe not you know we we don't really necessarily know who are the tackles that he's going against they will be better than they were in rookie camp but is it even going to be the guys that we're waiting for uh but i just i want to i guess my number one thing is more carloff this especially now the veterans are around i think that's an excellent point too I, i i i'm excited about this player um i'm excited that it was the guy that spagnolo wanted uh, so I think that means a lot, you know, that this is the, what's that? But so he said, but I, well, I trust well, him. Sure. Sure. But it's better than him just saying, Oh yeah, we're, yeah, I'm glad to have him. You know, that he, he seemed very excited about it. And I like that. And I, uh, and it, it would help explain why there's been so little action on bringing in additional defensive edge rushers. Uh, during this offseason, which I know is a big question mark for a lot of fans. It's a question mark for me, too. If Veach was the one who said, this is my going to be my emphasis. We're going to do some stuff on the defensive line. And the those moves have not been very numerous. 
Um, and I, and I get why people are concerned about it. And I think, I think I'm a little concerned about it, but it might make sense if we go out there and see Carl Aftis is amazing. Mm-hmm. And that will make, that will make all of this, this concern we have a little less of a concern. I think if we see that right away. Yeah, man, I would just would still love to see them add one more veteran sure. body to that yeah. defensive line. Sure. I, I just think they need it just for safety's sake, if nothing else. Right. Well, again, OTA's media starts tomorrow. We'll we'll keep you covered at OurHeadPride.com. A number of our contributors are excited to write uh, about some of the quotes that we get. Uh, it'll, it'll be the first time we talk to some of the more popular veteran chiefs in a long time. So eager to see what everybody's saying, especially coming out of what has been a really, I think, transition type of offseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, John, let's wrap up with our Chiefs Twitter question of the day. Don't look. As a Chiefs fan, I asked on Arrowhead Pride's Twitter, do you still believe Kansas City is the best team in the AFC? What do you predict happened mm. with this poll? It's either yes or no. I'm going to say... Wait a minute. Hold on one second. Yeah, it, We have to build in. It's not like across the board. Everyone that follows Arrowhead Pride Twitter is a Chiefs fan. I, right, I, think, mo- right. I think most. And I only yeah. made the poll an hour so that these jerk fans from other bases... <laughs> Like the Raiders and the Bills and the Broncos didn't sneak in. And you're always ruin. thinking, Pete. You're so always thinking. It was an hour long. So I think we got a pretty good read on this. Uh, but what do you, how do you think it went? I'm going to say, I'm going to say 40% yes. Way low. Really? Okay. 81% of Wow. <laughs> and we got 2,600 votes. Uh, believe that the Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. Well, okay. I'm 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 not arguing with them. <laughs> now, the consensus around the 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 league I think would be that the Chiefs are two behind the Bills. Um which to me and I'm you know, I'm assuming that a little bit. That's just like a little maddening considering they lost to them in the playoffs. I I understand the circumstances of it. Um you know, and I understand that the rule was changed, but I I don't like looking around nationally and having the chiefs behind the bills having beat them. Now you could turn around and be like, well, Pete, should the Bengals be ahead of the chiefs? Well, I, I could handle that more because yeah, yeah. the Bengals, the, what was the one thing that hurt them last year was the offensive line and they improved that and they went to the super bowl and they almost won the super bowl. So if you want to put the Bengals ahead of the chiefs, do it. I don't like to see the bills ahead of the chiefs and I'm going to get off my, Kansas City soapbox, but I could I well, could buy if, the Chiefs the best team in the AFC. Yeah. If the Chiefs had beaten the Bengals, if the Chiefs had gone back to the Super Bowl, the Chiefs would be ahead of the Bills. There's no question about that. I know. But I think that because no. they lost to the Bengals, it's yeah. easy for the media and to Tyreek go, well, right. yeah, that, that they didn't that they were overachieved last year and that, that just showed the Chiefs were lucky to win that playoff game over the Bills, and therefore the Bills are the better team. I I, I mean I see the logic that's being used there. I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I understand the logic of the position to put the Bills at the top and the Bengals, you know, a few spots behind the Chiefs, as as we typically see in these power rankings these days. Peter I'm, King, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that Peter, so many Chiefs fans are in, though. Peter King not only had the Bills ahead of the Chiefs, but the Chargers as well. So we right. got our first national head in the first power rankings of the off season to put the Chargers ahead of the Chiefs. It's, it's Charger season. Uh, they always win May. <laughs> so congratulations to them.
Well, in the space of 25 minutes, we've talked about Justin Ross's one-handed grab and the prospects of Sky Moore being offensive rookie of the year. Um, so I'm all like, for it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what we're worrying about. Tariq who? Tariq who? But no, we, we are in a position where like the, the ceiling for this Chiefs receiving group is mm. so, so high. So high. If you Valdez mentioned Scott that in the last one, didn't you? You mentioned that. Did, did I say one. that in the last yeah, show? Well, then I won't, re- I won't repeat myself soon. Well, much I'm glad you did I, because, I, because, because you're right. The ceiling is high. They, they, I feel as though it can be. I, I feel like it's a really low floor as well, by the way. Yeah. It's, it's a really low floor, but a really high ceiling as well. Potential and wise, if, yeah. If, and if we, if, we, if we end up in the middle ground this year, then it's still going to be probably better than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but if even if you obviously if you add t- Travis Kelsey's um productivity into that, obviously that takes it up a notch. But yeah, there's this all this potential in this receiver room now when they're all young guys, and if Justin Ross can be one of those guys, can nail down a roster spot and potentially come in and make some plays and go up, live up to his 2019 tape, then 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 who knows? Then who knows? The 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 uh, the sky is the limit, and there's no pun no pun intended with uh. Sky Moore. Maybe that's yeah. something we can. That's maybe the new nickname for uh, the Chiefs receivers. The sky's the limit. Oh, I like that. Maybe I like that. Yeah, we've moved on from Legion of Zoom. <laughs> the Legion of what? Legion, Legion of whom? <laughs> to actually, glad, glad you mentioned that. Limit. I'm glad you mentioned that actually because have you seen the Dolphins are trying to nick that nickname? Nick it or rebrand it as their own? Nick it. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to nick it. They're trying to take it from us, Tom. It's ours. It's Chiefs. Pesky Dolphins. First they take Tyreek, <laughs> then they take Melvin Ingram, and now they're trying to take our nickname. Trying to take you may name. take our nickname. You may take Melvin Ingram. But they'll never take our freedom! I know. They're trying to take everything. Just, they're just trying to be the Chiefs. Yeah. Maybe I think that's what it is. I mean, you know, yeah, it is. It is flattering, I suppose. But stop it, stop it. Pesky dolphins. Pesky dolphins. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. The main Actually, part of the show. Sorry, complete sidetrack. That side South Park episode where the Japanese are killing all of those are dolphins and whales. I've not seen that one. Okay, yeah, they walk around saying explicit. So view. Dolphin, you whales, and basically they're <laughs> killing a load of dolphins and whales. And there, <laughs> there's actually one point when they're actually rocking rock to to um, Hard Rock Stadium, and they kill a load of all the Dolphins players. And the team they're playing in that particular game happens to be the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> That's, oh, uh, and um, the the whole reason why the Japanese are killing dolphins and whales is because South Park went on this really weird storyline that apparently the Americans sold. The story to the Japanese that it was actually whales and dolphins that was piloting the Enola Grey that bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Oh my god! That, that, so you know, South Park just going off on the on, yeah, off on off tangent on as it does, yeah, <laughs> as it does. But yeah, it just just like next time I see a dolphin uh, fan, I'm just turn around and go, "If you dolphin, like, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know." <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that to see what the hell you're on about, mate. I really am. Yeah, yeah. Watch that one. <laughs> Yeah, try and watch it sober because it won't make much sense if you've had a drink. <laughs> it makes sense any anyhow, does it, South Park? No. Um, all right, let's get on to the the main part. Though one one of the main parts of the show was um, you had an idea, didn't you? We actually put a, a tweet out asking about this, asking Chiefs Kingdom. 
the obstacles. What are the obstacles the Chiefs might face to mm-hmm. reach the Super Bowl this year? And I, it's safe to say you had a lot of tweets. Yeah. <laughs> you had a very, lot of, very large amount of tweets that you had. There. Yeah, they, they seem, everyone seems to have an opinion on, on this particular um, idea. So, yeah, this is something that we run, we done last year. We done this 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 exact week. We run done this exact around this exact same segment. And you know, May twenty sixth, we've talked about it. Running out of ideas, we need to steal content. So we're stealing content from ourselves yeah. from last year. Oh, and um, <laughs> I, I had I had a listen to last year's show, and um, it's surprising to see it. Like, well, it's, I don't think it's sorry. It's not very surprising to see that the answers that we've got via Twitter are very similar to the answers that we were getting last year. Really. Yeah, um, apart from one big difference and an answer that come up so many times yesterday and today from Neil Blair, from Duncan Smart, from Yeet Diddy, from David Way, from all these other people, Jadu Duval on Twitter, from Kay Shager chasing the next beer, that's his actual name on Twitter, <laughs> lack <laughs> of pass rush. We didn't bring this up last year. No. We didn't think it was going to be a problem last year because we sat here and said, oh, Chris Jones is going to be a defensive end. We're going to be absolutely <laughs> fine. And that's, look how that's going, to, that's going to work out a treat where everyone is yeah. worried about the lack of pass rush. And that out of all the answers that we got, that was the most consistent mm-hmm. is the one obstacle that's going to be in our way for making the Super Bowl is ourselves, is our own internal problem, but it is the lack of pass rush. And I agree. Uh, yes, um, I, I think you're right. I do remember the conversation we had about, ah, oh, we'll be fine because Chris Jones is going to be, you know, he's slimmed down a bit. He looks looks ready. He's quick off the line. He's going to be a great defensive end. And that, it couldn't have gone any worse, I think, for that no. project. Um, it was a project that I suppose was worth trying because he mm-hmm. he obviously felt that he could do that that role effectively. Um, but it's it's very much more than just getting to the quarterback. Um, and you know, we all know that obviously defensive ends have got to set the edge and all that and, 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 and be a lot more than, like you said, just a quick guy that gets to the quarterback. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Chiefs, Chiefs kingdom on this. It is a, it is a big worry. I mean, yes, we've got George Kyle after this, uh, and we've Slovakia got, with the sake. So you're going to, you're going to make sure you get that in on you every time. Yeah. <laughs> Slovakia yeah. with the sake. Uh, and then we've got, um, the slightly unimpressed, or an impressive Frank Clark. Uh, it's not really something to go on if you're planning on, you know, pass rush has been your main game or main kind of defensive strategy. Um, yeah. Having a rookie and somebody who didn't really seem to be bothered last year. Yeah. And when you've got a defensive coordinator that whose whole game is built after, built on man coverage and getting after the, the quarterback like yeah. I, I I look at that AFC title game and Joe Burrow was like the most sacked football last year yeah and outside of the first half in Cincinnati the next three quarter or three halves of football we played against the Bengals in, in last year we just we hardly laid a glove on him nah. like what's going on the, the pass rush was just inept and that's with Melvin Ingram in there I do feel like that the pass rush is going to be a little bit better because I, I do like the look of Carl Aftis, mm. but it's the depth pieces that I'm worried about. Yeah, it's like if Frank Clark's healthy and that's a big what if, then yeah, yeah maybe then maybe he can. 
be a difference maker. We can go back to 2019 when he was very good in the postseason. We can get that type of form out of him. But if he's not healthy, then he's just the guy. Chris Jones can just eat double teams all day because mm. that's what he'll be facing. He'll be facing double teams and he'll be left to this rookie. Like, what's a good season for Kyle Afters? What I'd be happy if he got seven, eight sacks. Yeah. When realistically, we're going to need him to contribute 10 plus. If the yeah. other guys aren't doing it, we need to get sacks from somewhere. And they can't be all from blitz pressures. They can't be off the edge. They can't be from, from linebacking blitz and from the corners coming off. It can't be all from that. We need our four guys up front to get pressure on the quarterback. Mm. And if Carl Atters is only getting seven and Frank Clark's only getting seven and Chris Jones is getting 10, that's that's only 24 sacks. Yeah. That's that's not a lot from your three top guys, is it? So we we need we need someone else to step up. Who's that gonna be? I don't know, but in a league where people seem to play, uh, teams seem to be adding pass catchers and pass rushers, the Chiefs seem to be a little bit behind at the moment in adding top tier pass rushing talent. Yeah, quite late in that area, aren't we? For sure. Mm. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be we wrong about see. this. I really would like yeah. to be wrong, and I'd, I'd love to see Frank Clark his form like before he came to the Chiefs, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, the form he had then at the Seahawks. And yeah. hopefully we get that from Frank Clark. But I, I don't know what was wrong with him last year. He's in a perfect situation. He's got Chris Jones right alongside him. He's got, you know, Melvin Ingram with him as well. And you would have thought Frank Clark would have eaten from that. And mm-hmm. he really didn't. I, I don't know what it was. Just something wasn't clicking in gear. Um, but we'll leave that one. Um, what are the other ones that you've got on there? Obstacles. Okay, so a few people brought up the schedule, which we've not talked about because the schedule got released after our last show. It did. And um, and I think the schedule's a fair point. Um, the schedule is the, the, the first half of it is the toughest schedule in NFL history. And that's what happens when you're a good team and you play in a good division. You play a lot of hard games. Yeah. But the Chiefs this year seem to be playing a schedule which is just unlike anything we've ever seen in NFL history. Mm. It is just an absolute gauntlet of a schedule. There's some breaks every now and then with the likes of the Texans and the Jags. But outside of that, the Chiefs are going to have to bring at least a B-plus game every single week just to try and get some wins. And um, if they're not on top of it, then then there's a potential there that they lose the bye. And losing the bye will be detrimental to this Chiefs team's chances of making the Super Bowl. They absolutely need that bye next year. They need that bye because the the playoffs last year was a gauntlet themselves. But next year, you're looking at these AFC teams and you're thinking all seven of them, like regardless, if you could name any seven teams that you think are going to make the playoffs and it would be a gauntlet. Mm. So getting the bye is key. Yeah. And the Chiefs have been lucky in the sense that they've ended up hosting the AFC Championship game regardless. But that extra week off would just make such a difference. And But I just think the schedule is going to make it so much harder for the Chiefs to get to that position. It's brutal. The, I don't know what the Chiefs have done to annoy the schedule makers, but I don't know. They slapped someone that they shouldn't have because that, that schedule is horrific. Yeah, you're right. The Chiefs schedule, I don't remember. I think I remember tweeting this out. I don't remember the last time we had an easy schedule. Like, I think somebody said to me, was it 2013? I think it was. 
Yeah, but that's 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 down to the opponents. That's that's because yeah. we were that's because we were the worst team in the league, and we were obviously fourth place in the AFC West, which enabled us to play a load of fourth place teams in the AFC. Mm. And obviously, yeah, the, the AFC was was bad back in two thousand and thirteen. There wasn't as many many top teams this year. Like obviously, we knew the opponents going into the schedule being released, mm. but I'm not normally one for saying, "Oh, the order in which you play makes much of a difference," but. This year, I think it does. I do think there is, there are no breaks. There, there, you've got a little bit at the end where the Chiefs get to go on a run and potentially reel off some wins. Yeah. I think they play the Seahawks, the Jags, the Texans, and maybe the Raiders, and that and that, that could be a nice little run for them. Mm. But that could be too late. Like the Chiefs, traditionally under Andy Reid, have been extremely streaky mm. in one way or another. It's either they yeah. win a load of games in a row or they lose a load of games in a row. There's not much in between. If they lose one or two early in the year and then they go on a streak of losing games because their opponents are so hard, then they've got all that catching up to do. Mm. And their schedule isn't as fair. This isn't 2015 when we went one and five, but then somehow the NFL schedule just like put a load of gimmies in front of them for the last 10 games of the season. So they could score 13 points against the Browns and somehow beat them at home. Like That's not going to happen. The Chiefs are going to need to be on their on top of their game just to get 10 11 wins this year like if they are average if they're an average Chiefs team they will end up with an average record mm. they, they 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 that's not like years past Mahomes, an average Mahomes day would get you a few wins this year that's not going to happen you no. the Chiefs are going to have to be good consistently to get the record that they want to get them a buy I've actually got a list of uh the top five hardest strength of schedules from PFF okay and Chiefs are top, obviously, as, as you've mentioned. Patriots second. Yeah, that makes sense. Division. Dolphin, Dolphins third. Again, makes sense. Division. Raiders fourth. Yeah. Bills fifth. Have you seen the, the, the trend in that, the pattern in that? Exactly. All AFC teams. All AFC teams, yeah. All AFC teams. What, so division, does, what division does the AFC East play this year? Oh. What, what NFC division? It's got to be the West. Oh, it probably is. So we play the West. We play the West. They must be playing the, the, the South then, I'm guessing. Um, it sounds like it's, yeah, it sounds like it's something along the line, similar lines of what we are because, yeah, it, it, it seems very strange that the top five there, the hardest schedules are all AFC. Yeah. Um, and it, in a way, that's probably going to help us a little bit better if we have got the hardest schedule that if we've got every other AFC team having a hard schedule, especially the likes yeah, of the Bills yeah. and the Raiders, you know, it's probably going to help us out a little bit and average it out or even it out a little bit more. But that's, you're, you're right. You are right. You make a you make a good point, and I've been guilty. And I've just been guilty for forgetting about it for the last two or three minutes. Those teams have to play us. Yes. as well yeah that's that's so there's me saying oh i fear them i fear this stretch of the schedule yeah. but those teams are also circling kansas city and going well we'll put that down as a loss yeah and if we manage to get a win then great but right now they're looking at that game as a as a defeat and this is where i need to remember that and, and chiefs kingdom and it's hard to get used to it is a hard fact to get used to but we are a titan right now <laughs> Here we go. This is this you being the uh, the, the Patriots type Chiefs. Fan. We are, we are a tight, we are a titan of the NFL. Like, we, we, who else? So who arrogant else? as the Chiefs. But fan we are, we are, we like, we are 
we are the big cheese of the NFL right no. now. Like, yeah. Do you do you disagree? No, no, I agree with you, but I just don't say it as often as you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good for these. Look yeah. at us. We're awesome. So we put do the over under at 30 minutes of whether I say it next show or not, or when I say it next, the next show. But we are we we are a titan, and I just need to I need to rein it in a little bit in my fear for how this cheese team are going to do because I need to, especially when talking about a schedule, yeah. because those teams are are probably more scared of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs than than I am of them. Yeah, 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 I suppose. I suppose you're right. Because we are massive. Because we are juggernauts. Because <laughs> we are massive. <laughs> oh, right, let's move in. Let's move on. Let's right, move so on. A few people have said this one, and it goes without saying, but injuries... Injuries, injuries, injuries. Yeah. I don't feel like we need to go. And there are there are a few select players that if they got an injury touch wood, they won't. I am actually touching wood, but I mean my desk, not something else. Um well. yeah, yeah. Um if we if we do get an injury to certain players, then obviously that will derail our season completely. Yeah. Um I'm not gonna name names at all. Um, but that goes without saying there's 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 certain position groups that we can probably take an injury or two. Mm. and potentially get away with it. I'm thinking maybe receiver now, um, potentially in the secondary, there's probably so many guys at that, at that that we could probably cope with them. But certain positions, certain players that we just, we can't, we can't take injuries because if we do, that, that's the season over. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's, I suppose that's similar for any team, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the fact that we've, we've gone, uh, very youthful on the team as well. I mean, that's that should kind of help out because you think yes, youthful players are not probably you know they're going to be fit enough. The recovery time is going to be better. Blah blah yeah. blah, blah. But you still see it. You still see it happening, and especially when you're transitioning from the the college game into the NFL. It's it's a bit more brutal. It's a bit more brutal on the body and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I can kind of understand the concern about that. Um, yeah, and I suppose that leads us into another one, doesn't it? Really, the uh, the youth and inexperience of the of the team, of especially the the fact that we've got a lot of draft yeah. picks this year. Um, See, a, 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 a couple of people, a couple of people pointed this out. Christian Gumminger, um, to to name one of them, our friend from Arrowhead Pride. Um, there are a few more, but I'm just going through the tweets now. But I'm I'm sorry if I didn't bring you up. But if if you did bring up, it's a great point. Yeah, inexperience. We know what inexperience can do to any team. Like, yeah. but uh, as to bring it back to my team, Arsenal. Um, they were going, they were going really well, yeah. And then they they got put into a big spot with loads of pressure on them at their at their rivals, and they couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah, they capitulated because they're youth players, and this is what you're going to get with rookies with young players. They are going to make mistakes, and it happens everywhere in every walk of life. Yeah, anyone new to doing something or under in a pressurized environment a lot of people will make mistakes and that's going to happen. And we just have to accept that, yes, some young players may make a mistake that costs us a blown coverage here, an offside there. I'm sorry to bring that up, but you know, certain things can and most likely will happen that will cause the Chiefs to, to come down in a big spot. Yeah. But we accept that now and there's no need to apologize going forward. I tell you what, that that's something I don't like, and it's happened over here far too much recently. Is sportsmen apologising for messing up on the pitch? Yeah, 
well, why? Like they miss a penalty. They they apologize via Instagram. Why? Like, I just don't it. get it. Deal with I it. I don't. I don't get it. Like, it's not like we don't, it's not like as fans, we're not thinking you're, tr- you're not trying your hardest. We absolutely accept you're trying your hardest. And that's all we can, that's all we can ask for as fans is teams giving it their all. And if they're all is good enough, then, then great. But we don't need an apology. Like, the players do not have to apologize for not being at their best. Like it just, if I, if I mess up at work and, and it indirectly affects a customer, I'm not going to go, if they, up to that customer and apologize every single time I make a mind. Oh, sorry, I've done a typo there. Yeah. Sorry, I've done a typo there. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I just, your typos. <laughs> exactly. I just, yeah, yeah. I just don't get why sportsmen these days feel the need to, to get onto Instagram, to get onto Twitter and post these apologize, uh, long apologies for, for making a mistake at sport, at a children's game. Like yeah. what were you getting into? Ever? You know, that's a different point. Exactly. Anyways, the last one. Uh, the, the last one. Not running the football. Oh, my God. I feel like this has come from a particular game last year. This is what yeah. I feel like is, is, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it's that, that over-reliance on Patrick Mahomes. It's that reluctance to... Put the ball in there, and having the confidence, I suppose, in the in the running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we brought in uh, Ronald Jones, haven't we, uh, to kind of yeah. help uh, help that 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 running back stable out a bit. And they have they have looked at that area in the team, right? and and I appreciate what they're doing there. They are making sure that they are stacking up in there yeah, in in the running back area. But it's one thing having the players there available, but it's another thing actually going out there and using them. And mm-hmm. we've said this before about um, Andy Reid wanting to keep the ball in Mahomes' hand because he is the greatest quarterback of all time that we all mm-hmm. love and, 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 and want him to do well and, and show some spec- something spectacular to dig a game out. But sometimes mm-hmm. you really just need to get that other team guessing and thinking, they're going to the run game. Why are they, doing, why are they going to the run game? And then hit them yep. with something that Mahomes can, uh, you know, hit them with a long bomb later on or something, you know. And they've got the O-line to do it. They, they have, have the O-line they to have. do it. So, use yeah. that O-line. Use it. Um, oh, yeah. But use uh, it for both kind of, yeah, both styles. Let's put it that Use way. the pass to set up the run and use the run to set up the pass. Just, yeah. just go go a little bit more balanced. And People might say, oh, it's a bit boring, but I think we've gone past the, 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 the MVP 2018 version of Patrick Mahomes is never coming back. Highlight Mahomes. Is never coming back. Yeah. Like, there will always be highlights from Mahomes. He will always do things in games. You think, what? Did he just do that? Like, <laughs> like, 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 he make you always have to double take watching Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But that version, that particular version, 2018 version, is gone forever. It has gone to the YouTube highlight reels for forever because teams will not allow him to do that type of stuff yeah, ever yeah. again. He so we are going to start seeing this more conventional quarterback yeah, that still yeah. blows our mind in Patrick Mahomes in, in maybe a com- not a com- necessarily a conventional style offense, mm. but a potentially more balanced offense. And if we can give Mahomes a little break by letting Clyde or Ronald Jones run for five, six yards to carry, every now and then, then do it. 
there's why not you've got the o-line you have literally have the potential to have the best o-line in football this year yeah. and we've got nasty guys out front that want to run block let's run behind those guys let's bring those those safeties down let's bring let's fill that that box and then let Mahomes go to work let Andy Reid go to work and do some crazy stuff I agree with all the commentators that are saying if they don't run the football, then they aren't going to make the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I know analytics are hating me for this right, hating me for this right now. But with the way that teams like to play the Chiefs, and more particularly Mahomes, I feel like it's a necessity. Yes, yeah, it's it's definitely something you've got to you've got to utilize it. Yeah, you have to. You'd be mad. You you would be mad not to. 